wireless headphones. That'll be $200. I'll use my Capital One Quicksilver card. Now that's a hit. You used the Capital One Quicksilver card, which makes you the hero of every purchase. With Quicksilver, you earn unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase everywhere. I wanted running music, but unlimited 1.5% cash back is pretty heroic. Good instincts. Every hero needs a theme song. The Capital One Quicksilver card. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. John 16, Let's be real. Life is full of challenges. There's no escaping. As believers, we were never promised a perfect life. But as Jesus said to his disciples, take heart. In other words, be encouraged. He has overcome the world. Courage is having strength in the face of difficulty. Take Heart with Patty P is a radio podcast designed to encourage your faith in the midst of life's storms and to inspire men, women, moms and dads, single parents, business owners, and dreamers to pursue and fulfill God's unique plan and purpose for your life. Take Heart with Patty P offers faith-based encouragement along the journey for you to become all that God has made for you to be, even in the midst of difficulty, loss, or challenge. God uses everything in our lives. He really is for you. He is with you even when you don't see it or can't feel it. He has overcome the challenges in this world, and he enables us to do the same. So let's get started on today's show. Welcome to Take Heart with Patty P. Hello, and welcome to Take Heart with Patty P. My name is Patty Pakoulis. I am the radio podcast host of this show. I'm excited to have you join me today. And I have a topic that I think will be very interesting, and um, I'm going to be sharing and I have had a an overcoming series throughout the year so far. I've had just different guests come on the show and plan on bringing more guests, you know. But today, uh, I am going to talk about overcoming shame in your life. And, you know, it's funny. I tend to do a lot of little disclosures, things like, um, or disclaimers, excuse me, not disclosure. Well, I do both, actually. <laughs> I disclose and I have disclaimers like I'm not a biblical scholar and things like that. So my um, my little uh, disclaimer today is that I'm not a professional or a licensed counselor. I am an encourager. I'm encouraging you in your faith. Um, and I'm someone that wants to cheer you on from the sidelines. But I, I do know a thing or two about shame, um, really, you know, from having some personal experience with this. And, uh, you know, I want to. I want to kind of share what helped me overcome this sense of of shame in my life. Um, you know, there's a difference between like regret, guilt, and shame. Regret acknowledges that you made a mistake, you know. Um, and guilt is also, you know, something that like you've committed, you know, some kind of specified offense. And you admit that crime, mistake, whatever that may be. Um, it, it actually is two meanings. It can also be some something that someone else uses to make you feel ashamed, but it's a feeling of being ashamed. Shame is something that tells you, you know, not I didn't make a mistake, but but I am a mistake. 
something's wrong with me inherently. And it's a very um, deeply embedded, I think, in our, you know, subconscious. I think that, you know, there are things that might occur in your life that create that feeling and that belief. And I think that it is something that God really wants to set you free. Like it really is a way that can really, you know, it can really hurt somebody in their, in every aspect of their life. And and I'm going to share really just my experience with, with this and, and really what helped me overcome it. Um, and it, it kind of goes with, you know, my childhood and, and, and being raised. Um, I, for the longest time, was um, a childhood, in my childhood, I struggled with bedwetting. And for some reason, I, you know, struggled in that area until probably the age of like, I don't know, even late, like 10, 11 years old. Very difficult, very, very hard, because it's something that you can't control at all. But it's also something that you feel so bad about. I mean, I would be deathly afraid to do sleepovers with friends. And I remember having a sleepover and having a occurrence of, you know, wetting the bed and like being literally just tormented and hiding it and leaving that house and just feeling this deep sense that, you know, I am bad. There's something wrong with me. And this sense of shame, you know, really, I think, just planted itself and, you know, each time that would occur, it was very difficult for me. And it was a very real thing. And it occurred way more often than I wanted it to. And, you know, you think you should be able to control something like that. And back in, you know, that era, I don't even know. I've, I haven't even researched what people do today regarding that, um, to be honest. I just I don't go down that road. It's like that's just... That was a season in my life as a child where I did. I felt so deeply ashamed that this was happening and didn't understand it, couldn't control it. And I had this very deep sense of shame as a result. And I think the other thing that sort of piggybacked on that, and this is something that um, to this day, it is the biggest blessing of my life. But I didn't understand it as a child. And that is, um, you know, I was adopted at a very young age, three days old, actually. Um, I wasn't officially adopted at that time, but that came later. And I was adopted into this amazing and beautiful and sweet, loving Mexican family. And I was this little white baby, <laughs> you know. And you look at my life and my pictures, and it's like you have this little white girl, and then you have this Hispanic family, and I am, you know, I, I, I didn't understand it. And at the time, you know, adoptions were so closed and sealed, and you don't talk about it, you don't say anything. And I think in my cases, you know, under normal circumstances, but I would just look around and go, something's wrong with me. Like, I always had this sense of feeling so different. Now, the beautiful piece was I was never in a million years lacked for love. My parents and my mom, I mean, it was as if I came out of the womb. And that is the beauty of it. 
and I didn't have to worry about feeling loved or feeling accepted on those levels. But I had a very strong sense of being different. And clearly, I looked different. And I didn't understand that. And and then I'm, you know, unfortunately, up until 11 years old, I'm, you know, wet in my bed. And it's like, oh, gosh, I definitely had a sense of shame. And I look back, and I want to just say that these are things that actually just get stored like this belief you know that I was bad or that I was a mistake or there was something wrong with me that's what the feeling was this sense of shame that there's something wrong you know with this picture (laughs) and and I will say this I, I do believe the Lord gave me a way to cope with it and it wasn't to talk about it didn't recognize it didn't even really know it existed But the Lord allowed me to find something in my life that I was actually really good at, and that was sports. So at a very young age, I began to play sports. I played softball, and my entire life, it was as if the light went on. I was like, ha, you know, this is amazing. This is something that I can do that I'm actually decent at. I'm good at this. Like, this comes easy to me. And I dove in. I mean, to the deep end. I, you know, I played softball. That was my main sport. But I played sports all the way up through, you know, high school and through college. And here's what it did. It took a child who kind of had this, this like, self-image, self-esteem deal Um, felt kind of ashamed, you know, deep down, didn't realize it. Um, And it allowed me to kind of feel good about something in my life. It it validated me. It it did. And not that I didn't get that from my parents. You know, I I do want to make that clear. Like, it wasn't like I didn't get that. But this was something that I was able to do that just, it did. It validated me. It gave me value. And I was so grateful for it because there could be a million other ways that you can cope with feelings of shame, you know, and and we see it all the time. I mean, you know, even well into adult years, people, you know, use so many things to distract from that feeling, Um, you know, drugs, alcohol, gambling, sex. I mean, you name it, they can just go all in with so many different things. And, And for some reason, you know, sports gave me this kind of foundation that I needed at that season in my life. And it, you know, I'm I'm grateful for it because one, it was a, a positive tool. It really was. No regrets playing sports. Are you kidding me? It taught me everything about life. It made me into a person that um, you know, really I think the whole never giving up and I mean there's so many lessons I learned and and I, I gotta admit there is a day where I will sit and I'm going to write a little tiny book or ebook or something about all this, the lessons I've learned from playing sports. It was so valuable. But here's the thing about that. There's a point where, you know, when you're playing sports and you're getting a lot of um, your validation through your performance, you're performing. Okay. You're, you are getting out there and, and, When your identity gets tied in with either something outside of you, something you do, something, you know, um, that's when (laughs) that's when the troubles can arise. And for many years, my performance on the field determined how I felt about myself. 
You know, unfortunately, when you have a good skill set, you're going to feel good about yourself for the most part, decently. Um, and there'll be times where you might have made a big mistake or you choked, you know, you weren't clutch. And, and you're going to, I mean, that's going to haunt you. I remember laying in bed at night if there were moments where I just blew it. And man, it, it can <laughs> it can haunt an athlete. I always feel so sorry for these pros that miss a clutch free throw or something. And I'm telling you, I think about them because I go, oh, they're going to play that over and over in their mind for Lord knows how long in their brain, you know, um, it, it, it's challenging. Um, but, it, you know, I'm, I'm grateful for it. But what I did do and what I noticed is that it became a part of my identity. It really did. And, you know, the bottom line in our lives, really, when it comes right down to it is we all want to be seen, we want to be acknowledged, we want to be loved, you know. And, you know, there was a point for me, when I got to college where, you know, um, having your identity, your I mean, because sports was everything. It was everything to me. It was everything growing up. Every focus was all about athletics, you know, and this was from an early age, you know, and it was built on that foundation. And when you build your identity on a foundation of performance or something outside of yourself, guess what? The chances are at one point it's going to crumble. It will. There's going to be a time where that foundation that you are placing your entire self-worth on isn't going to be there. It isn't going to sustain that. And I can honestly say, you know, um, that occurred in my life. I really, um, and I've shared this story recently, so I don't want to reiterate the whole thing. But when I got to college, that was sort of a rude awakening for me. And it was a time of really, um, you know, dealing with no longer being, again, that big fish in a little pond, your little fish in a big pond. But there were other things that had occurred, you know, um, my relationship with my coach wasn't the best, put on that freshman 15, and then you're in a whole new environment where your performance is even greater demand for, you know, uh, for that. And when your entire identity rests in that, and that begins to get rocky and shaky, and, you know, felt like it could crumble. I was sort of feeling a little bankrupt. I really was. And the good news for me during that time is I just knew, gosh, you know, there's a piece of me that feels broken. There's this shame and I couldn't even identify it at the time this came later but I was trying to fix myself by being this amazing athlete you know when I look back and that worked for a little while but at the end of the day I couldn't fix myself and no amount of excellent performance was ever going to repair me that's the bottom line it's like you can have the biggest bank account you can have the best job in the world you can earn gold medals you know but if there is a sense of shame within you and you do not feel like, you know, like you're okay. <laughs> All of that, none of it's going to work. It's only temporary. And here is where, you know, God walks into my life. I can honestly tell you that, you know, when your whole world and your self, your sense of self-worth and your confidence comes crashing down, you know, um, where do you turn? 
And this is where I found myself my sophomore year in college. I was really struggling and just felt, you know, this little bit of out of controlness, you know. But this is also the place where I feel like I broke. And in this breaking, I found unconditional love, a love that I had never experienced. And for the first time, I realized, and I, you know, I've had a friend say, what was the biggest moment of change in your life ever? Like, what was the one thing that literally radically changed your life, your outlook, your everything? And I thought about that. I didn't just answer the question. This was years ago. And I sat and I thought, and I realized the moment that I realized that I was loved completely as I am, unconditionally, I didn't have to bat over 300 to be loved. I didn't have to lose 15 pounds, but that I was deeply loved and loved on such a level. Like we can talk about unconditional love all we want. You know, but here was the proof that the Lord would die, like literally die for you. That changed my entire life. It just did. You know, and this is maybe a morbid question, but like to this day, God's radical, relentless, reckless, you know, pursuing love changed my entire life. It changed my identity. You know, it was like the first time I realized I have value just for being here, just for being created, that God created me with value, that God had a plan for me, that God had a hope and a future, that it, you know, I didn't have to do all these things on the outside to feel good or to to have a sense of validation about who I am. God gave that to me. And the question I was going to say that might sound morbid, but, you know, it was this realization that, you know, if you were to look around your life today, and some people can answer yes and some can't, is there someone in your life that loves you so much and so unconditionally that they would die for you? Like, that's kind of a big question. And I, I don't know. Like, I don't know what your answer would be. But I do know this. There is someone that's already done that. And, you know, we'd love to think that maybe our spouses would like to hope anyway, right? We certainly want to think that our parents would do it. I mean, and I think, you know, 99.9% of parents would. I mean, I'll never forget when Peter said, you know, I just thank God it's not you or the kids. Like, that was his heart. I have cancer, not you, not the kids. I'm so glad it's me. You know, I mean, that was unconditional love. And some of us can answer, yeah, I have someone like that in my life. And some of us, if we look around, and we can't. And I guess for me, at that season in my life, the realization, the revelation, I felt like it was more of a revelation. Like it was new information that blew my mind that this radical, radical love existed, that you didn't have to do anything to earn it, not one thing, that the God of the universe who created you has a plan for you, who loves you, who wants the best for you, 
you know, and yet here you are living your life feeling as if your self-worth comes from you, your performance, what you're doing on a baseball field, you know, and having this moment of it all coming together and just simply saying, yes, I want that. I believe that. And I receive that. Like, I need that. I can no longer, you know, sustain my own self-worth, but I need my self-worth to come from you, Lord. I, I need to be loved. And, and, you know, I've met a lot of people that are incredibly talented and competent and very self-sufficient. And I, I kind of, you know, I admire that. But at the end of the day, there's nothing here on earth that is sustainable. At the end of the day, even your self-sufficiency will fail you at one point. You know, your bank account might fail you at one point. Your career might take a turn that you have no idea. Your performance on any field or off the field, you know, maybe you sing amazing. There's a day where that all crumbles that that doesn't last forever. And I learned back in March of 1985 that I was... You know, I I was loved. I was created for a purpose. I was loved unconditionally. And this sense of shame that I carried, you know, but I did this as a child. It was so embarrassing and so awful. And so, you know, it all just kind of melted away. And I realized it was like I could just go, wow, you had no control of that. You know, and, and God... God had this really special plan for you and, and, and your beautiful family. And to this day, it's it's one of the greatest gifts in my life. Like, I don't have to have a sense of feeling so different and so like there's something wrong. Like, what happened? There was healing and, and grace that was poured into my heart. And, you know, understanding and knowing, wow, this God of the universe, despite my failures, despite my selfishness, despite every terrible thing I'd ever done, loved you so much that he laid out down his life. That is the beauty of the message of Jesus Christ. It's like we forget sometimes it's that simple, that his love for you is endless. And that, yes, loves you so much. He died for you. And sometimes if we look around There might not be someone in our life that would do that, but there is someone who has done that. And I think about, you know, the love that really can cover shame. It can cover guilt. It can cover regret. It can cover everything you've done that makes you feel dirty or icky or or awful or unworthy. And in a moment, And that's what it was. It was this, you know, um, this revelation of a kind of love that I'd never experienced in my life. And I believe that's part of why I'm so passionate about really just encouraging you in your faith and reminding you that God loves you, that Jesus died on that cross for you, that there is a plan for your life, that you don't have to just rely on your bank account. You don't have to just rely on your performance or even what you're doing, you know, and in this world of social media, let's just multiply that. 
Um, you don't have to worry about, oh, my gosh, I'm not getting all the likes I need. I'm not getting all this, you know, constant dopamine hit from Instagram likes all the time. I mean, that is a part of our world. I'm not going to deny that. And there are good things that God uses in all of that. But the bottom line is he wants to be your identity, your foundation. You know, you are loved and created in his image for a purpose, for a reason, for a future, for a hope. And God has this amazing plan, loves you, created you, has, you know, gifts and talents that you can share with the world and you don't have to be covered with this sense of shame or guilt or regret, but instead you can, you know, take the gifts that he does give you, you know, and use those to not only, I mean, you're going to get some satisfaction out of it. That's real. But but it's going to encourage and inspire someone else as well. Your gifts are not just for yourself. They're not. Any gifts and talents, they are meant to be shared, you know. And, um, and so I just, I have felt like his love literally washed away shame in my life on such a profound level with the realization of knowing I love you so much, died for you. You know, and if you're out there today struggling and you feel like everything you're doing is not enough, there is a God who loves you, who is right there for you, who died for you. You can answer yes to that question because he already has. All you have to do is say yes. Anyway, thank you guys for letting me share today. I want to wish you an amazing week. God bless you all. And I look forward to talking again. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Take Heart with Patty P. It is our greatest hope that you have been encouraged and inspired today in your faith, in your life, and in your walk with God. If you have enjoyed today's podcast, please take a moment to leave a review and an episode rating. Your thoughts and comments are so important to us. You can also subscribe to the show weekly and tell your family and friends. We would love that. For more encouragement or information about the show or the host of the show, Patty P, and the photography services that she also provides, you can visit her website at pattypxo.com. That's P-A-T-I-P-X-O.com. She would love to hear from you. For the ones who get it done, the most important part is the one you need now. And the best partner is the one who can deliver. That's why millions of maintenance and repair pros trust Granger. Because we have professional-grade supplies for every industry, even hard-to-find products. And we have same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders. But most importantly, we have an unwavering commitment to help keep you up and running. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.